Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles number 41, the 1918 flu epidemic. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw the first That was a real, real bad time. There was no treatment for it. There was, of course, there was no vaccine at that time, and uh, there was no antibiotics at that time. 1918, and in the late summer, the Spanish influenza makes its appearance in Vermont, first reported at Fort Devens, Massachusetts, in cases among troops bound for Europe to fight in World War I. The flu quickly enters Vermont and spreads throughout the state. Thousands are stricken with the disease, which attacks the lungs and causes high fever, delirium, nausea, and intense pain in the back, arms, and legs. Densely populated communities are most severely hit. In Barrie, as Ernest Reynolds recalls, many granite workers, their lungs already impaired by occupational illness, succumb. Now a retired physician, Reynolds was a young boy in 1918. Looking out of my uh, bedroom window, you could see Beckley Hill uh, very clearly. The Catholic cemetery was only about a quarter of a mile up, up this hill. And uh, day after day during that epidemic, you see these, this funeral procedure, all horses, black horses and black uh, uh, hearses and so forth going by there, and sometimes three or four funerals a day. Being sick in bed and uh, doing nothing else but looking out the window there, why, you got quite an impression when you saw all these people. You know, that was the end of the road when they were going up that, in that black hearse there. The Reynolds family recovered, but many were not so lucky. My dad was a very strong individual. Georgina Bottomini of Barry, And he died at the age of 28. And I can always remember Dr. McFarland saying that if they had had things like sulfur, he would have survived. My mother was pregnant and so, so ill with the flu that she could not go to the funeral. And she recalled hearing the hearse go by the house as he was being taken to the cemetery. None of the medicines of the time were effective against the flu. The epidemic was so severe that in Burlington, the mayor opened a dispensary where flu victims with notes from their doctors could get measured amounts of alcoholic beverages, which were thought to have some medicinal value. Similar treatment was available in other communities in less formal ways. We had another grocery man who went around, and his treatment, uh, any of his friends, he went around with a bottle of booze and some aspirin. And he, <laughs> And that was, he gave them the booze and let them take the aspirin if they wanted to. And uh, he thought he was doing it. But at least he was going around, and if people were in real bad shape, at least he was able to help them. There were many people. There was Mr. Pam Pearl, who was a teacher, who went up to the hospital and took care of the patients, emptied bedpans, risked to his own life, but he did it, and he didn't, he didn't become ill. The shortage of doctors and nurses was critical throughout the state. The University of Vermont sent its senior class of medical students out into the field to help care for patients, and newspapers called on healthy women to take over nursing duties. But without antibiotics, there was little that could be done beyond diagnosing the victims and quarantining their households. 
By early fall, as Susan Sleeper of St. Johnsbury remembers, town health officials began closing public meeting places. I was teaching school that fall, and uh, schools were closed for a time. Somebody came to my door, his school, said to send the children home. School was closed down for the influenza. A statewide ban on public meetings went into effect on October 4th. The intensity of the epidemic began to subside in November, but cases continued to be reported throughout the winter. A look at public health records for 1918 tells the grim story. 43,735 cases of influenza, resulting in 1,772 deaths. As a result of the epidemic, the General Assembly reformed the public health system in 1919. Ten district health officers, certified physicians appointed by the state, replaced the town health officers. They were subject to new regulations and procedures for reporting contagious diseases. Although the reforms were short-term, when the state returned to the old town health officer system a few years later, it did so with heightened consciousness as a result of the 1918 flu. Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org donate.